Hi, my name is Ellie Hugenberg and welcome to today's episode of the Pursuit of Positivity podcast. Before I begin, if you can interact with the podcast in any way, shape or form by giving it a like, a rating or a review, doing any of those things helps me out massively and you're all incredible for doing it so often and it's genuinely amazing to know that you guys are really enjoying the podcast. Now, if you can hit the follow button especially, it would be incredible, but you're all amazing for doing anything you can. So, Before I begin, I just want you to take a moment to take a big deep breath in and out with me so we can get in that right headspace. Perfect. Now I want you to think of three things that you're grateful for today. Just three things. It can be anything. It could be a person. It could be a place. It could be a future opportunity. It could be a future destination that you'll be going to. Or it could be just the fact that you've got a cup of tea next to you. Whatever it is, what are you grateful for today? Perfect. Now, once you've got that in your head, I just want you to take a moment to take another deep breath. Beautiful. Right. Today, I'm going to be talking about something that we don't normally talk about, which is quite interesting because we're talking about talking and not talking. (laughs) And we are going to be thinking about talking without speaking and how like effective communication is as much to do with our bodies as it is to do with our words. And we're going to be thinking about body language, the evolution of it, why we speak, why we don't speak, how we can improve our body language, what it says about us, all those things. So language, as we all know, is important to human beings. Like, it's so important that we risk our lives for it <laughs> and we share the like same basic vocal equipment to our nearest relatives, the chimpanzees. But in order to produce a greater variety of sounds with more precision, our tongues had to get longer, basically, and move down our throat, which leads to our larynx being pushed further down and a longer neck, therefore, is developed. And the downside of this is like what we eat and drink has to go down the larynx to get to the esophagus. And when it misses and goes down the wrong hole, we choke. Whereas with other animals, the larynx kind of forms a valve to prevent this, which is potentially more evolutionary successful, but we have it for a certain reason, obviously. So as evolution favours the survival of the fittest, why have we evolved, obviously, this potentially fatal arrangement of our breathing and eating apparatus? <laughs> and it's because the descent of the larynx creates an echo chamber that allows for, like, a vastly, like, greater range of sounds to be produced. And the sounds necessary, like, necessary for spoken language are here. And speaking is obviously so important to human beings that evolutionary speaking, it's kind of the val- the val- the value far outweighs the loss of people through like choking through death, basically. So we'd rather speak and be able to communicate in this way than like it that's more important than choking technically, apparently. So speaking in later written languages have allowed humans to develop cultures and transmit so much knowledge down generations in a manner of like unique communication among animals and like and it's just incredible obviously our language is incredible and words have almost inexhaustibly kind of it it conveys so much information we don't even know but 
non-verbal language is vast in like in scope too basically close to kind of a million discrete non-verbal signs and signals have been recorded by researchers 250,000 of which are facial expressions that's insane <laughs> like 250,000 of these non-verbal signs and signals are actually facial expressions it's insane and we're capable of an extraordinary range of non-verbal communication but most of the time we're like we're so unaware of how much information we absorb through these channels so let's have a look at the evolution of body language so the evolutionary importance of body language is apparent in our eyes obviously look at like the eyes of your dog or your cat in normal circumstance like circumstances the white of their eyes are not visible for simple reasons that white is easily spotted for like by prey like nor are the whites of our eyes visible in apes and monkeys however for humans the importance of eye contact and knowing where other members of like our species are looking outweighs the evolutionary disadvantage of sometimes being detected by preys or predators which is obviously a bit dated now anyway because that doesn't it's not there's still something in us obviously and then it's a bit more innate but it's not that relevant anymore in our life so work on which specific areas of the brain recognize body language is like a continuing research area in psychology and research so far indicates that two visual areas and the amygdala are crucial in neurology for body language and the involvement of the amygdala is understanding the body language under like what under like the underlying deepness and where it's rooted from within us for the amygdala it is one of the most ancient parts of the brain and a key driver of decision making memory and emotional responses so let's think about the deep roots of body language so if spoken words are something we risk our lives for then why do like textbooks regularly trot out the statistics that well in terms of communication what we say the words only counts for seven percent of the message while tone of voice other vocal qualities make up the 38 percent of the community of our like, communication and a like <laughs> a like huge amount like the 55 percent is down to non-verbal signs which is body language if we risk our lives for the ability to speak in terms of choking like we would we would rather speak than choke to death obviously why don't we use it more in our communication if it's only seven percent whereas body language is 55 percent of our communication why are we only using 70 percent of something that we risk our lives to have in our human body so it's because our ability to use body language is relatively recent to evolutionary development like the originating part of the well it originated somewhere between two million and five hundred thousand years ago but there's not like that's not to say that like our ancestors didn't 
communicate in any way they did in the same way that our dog communicates with you today and through the non-verbal languages that we have and we use all the time so this means that our ability to use respond to and kind of like perceive body language is embedded far more deeply in our brains than verbal communication ever has or is so the question remains like the same and like through are like are these gestures innate that is like genetically programmed into us or do we learn them through observations in some other fashion like well to answer this kind of question (laughs) scientists have observed babies and children born blind and deaf which is so interesting to think that how would they then communicate and we cannot acquire facial expression like they couldn't acquire facial expressions and gestures through watching others and compared they can't like compare gestures and body languages across cultures and studies like the body language of apes and monkeys as well it was all compared so what did they learn so pulling this research together indicates that some aspects of our body language like they are natural part of like that toolkit that comes being born and a human being in the same way that babies have like know how to let's say feed off their mother without being taught this they just know whereas others are learnt with kind of some falling in that in-between category that is language for which like we have a specific genetic like propensity with it but the exact form of language depends on the particular culture in which we were born and it's good to know therefore like that the smile is built into our genetic substance children born deaf and blind start to smile in the same way that sighted and hearing children like hearing able children children do so scientists have found that the key human facial expressions occur universally across cultures which strongly suggests that they are innate too and these seven universally recognized expressions are things like joy sadness fear anger surprise disgust and contempt and that most famous the most famous proof of this was the research by uh, paul aikman which well, where he kind of presented the people of an extremely remote tribe at, in New Gu- in Papua New Guinea, which well, with the simple story scenario, and asked them to select a photo with the expression that best expressed the reaction of the story's hero. And when, well, well even though the pictures were of Westerners, the tribesmen correctly like picked the pictures and pointed them to the kind of expression and at the end of the scale most hand gestures from the obscene like obscene to the like encouraging hand gestures are culturally determined although the open palm gesture denotes like peaceful interactions appears to be like innate as well and it's these gestures that are liable to causing the worst cultural misunderstandings and according to body language experts the okay gesture like when you put your think your thumb and your index finger together kind of okay which usually means okay in most western cultures but in france 
it also means zero and in japan it means money and in greece it's a sexual insult <laughs> so when traveling overseas ask your host to show you the kind of like more common local hand gestures to avoid making cultural mistakes like that because you don't want that so in between the two extremes there's a range of gestures about which scientists are still unsure for instance like when a man and a woman press against each other in close quarters the woman like pass each other in close quarters and men will turn towards the women whereas men will turn towards like the women will turn towards the man and we do not know whether this is innate or learned behavior and another interesting thing actually is gender differences and how like the way we put coats on like right arm first for men left arm first for women which I thought was really interesting and I feel like we should kind of like look at that and how so apparently women put them on what is it the left arm first and men put right arm first that's interesting (laughs) and it's clear also however that women's intuition has its origin in a far greater ability like women have to read they have a better gauge of body language than men for instance when scientists showed men well they showed a silent film to men and women taking into account that well well they were the subject basically and the women taking part in the experiment were far better at telling what happened between the two people than the men and this reflects a profound difference in neurological organization over like mris that scans that show um that women's brains have more areas involved with decoding behavior than men which is really interesting so we all know we all know the phrase (laughs) it's not what you say it's how you say it and far less discussed but almost as important as body language are all the varieties of speech that we say simply changing up the pitch of an expression uh like as loaded as i hate you can alter it from like a declaration of loathing to like a a joke that is well executed (laughs) and according to kind of like renowned voice coach harriet whittlebread there are only five things you can change to make your voice an exciting instrument of communication we've got pitch and exploring different vocal qualities change of pace shaping words and volume and of these the most important to use during a speech is pitch which a change in pitch indicates the listener that there's a new thought or a part like all those kinds of things and the monotone speech is very difficult for listeners to understand which that kind of it suggests that to a deep level that words all precede the same thought so new thoughts new pitch and she said that make sure you that your praise is vocally more interesting than you're telling off, which is interesting. So that is kind of the basics of and the evolutionary side of body language. Now, we have obviously got magazines that are full of articles that claim to teach the reader how to read body language. The nose rub, that means that you lie. The dilated pupil to translate that, like, to her being really interested in you and so on there's so many things that like that are kind of they're kind of comical sometimes (laughs) but the truth is if it was easy every liar would be unmasked and 
Like, there would never be any unwelcome sexual attention because if we all could read body language perfectly. But body language cannot be read reliably in like in situations body language is a real language <laughs> which is made of words phrases and punctuation the golden rule is to always read body language in clusters of lists of three like words in a sentence so if let's say a salesman tells you it's the best deal that that they've ever made and during the pitch briefly like covering their mouth touching their nose scratching their neck then they're probably telling they're trying to sell you a like something really rubbish <laughs> but similarly if the woman whom a man is like talking to flicks back her hair exposes her like her underside of her wrists and moves her handbag closer they're probably like she probably would not be adverse to being asked out on a date maybe this could be something like that maybe shows that she's open all these things but we want to know how to be good at body language we want to know how to communicate well even if it's our thoughts so having a positive body language is is pretty simple i listened to about three or so ted talks and podcasts about body language and i learned a few things in my opinion there is it's quite a simple almost formulaic way to kind of have good body language it's all about being open if you want to show if you want to be confident if you want to be someone who is like you know having looking good being positive having showing being confident basically that's all it is we all want to be more confident how do we become more confident well it's all about our body language which means we have to be open if you look at someone who walks into a room and they're closed off, hands are really close to their body, they sit down, their legs are crossed, they're very close, you think they're not very confident. But then if you want to be more confident, you have to open up your body, your shoulders back, arms back, legs, you know, crossed or uncrossed, whatever works for you. But it's how you do things. It's it's about taking up space. If I'm sat in the corner and my hands are not making any hand gestures and I'm kind of looking down a bit, that makes me it gives off the worst impression we want to be having our hands open hand gestures movement movement taking up space and i know it's difficult i know it's hard but one i used to i never used to be the well i was quite a confident person for a while but there was times where i wasn't as confident and in situations where i'm in a little bit of a moment of unsureness i'm not feeling so confident in this my ability or the situation I always make sure I do these three things. I make sure that <laughs> there was a really famous podcast. Of, um, I can't remember what her name was. Like the second most watched TED talk, and she said the power stance. You go into the bathroom toilet and you put your hands on your hips and you just do that for a bit and you feel powered. Well, I, I make sure I take a deep breath and I roll my shoulders back and I have my arms open. It's, for me, it's a lot more about my upper body, which makes me feel more confident. And that is a really big deal for me, I think. Having that moment of just rolling my shoulders back, opening my arms up, kind of leaning back, not leaning so far forward and crouched over. It's more about the leaning back. Looking confident. That is how we have good body language. So when also we have online body language now, because obviously we are in the world of Zoom, 
and we are constantly doing Zoom meetings. So we've got online body language. So with the shift to obviously our online communication, like a whole new avenue of miscommunication has opened up as well. And everyone can think of examples of like email conversations that become like misconstrued in some way that would never have happened if the like the people were talking in a face-to-face conversation. So there are some useful advice that I've got, well, a bit of useful advice for navigating these minefields in this kind of field that we are all in now. So Skype type calls allow you to stare at a person and study their expressions and behaviours, which is something that you can't do in real life situations. So people are more critical of you when you're on this kind of Zoom call than in real life and are more likely to detect small movements and gestures on your face. So young people who exclusively use messaging and text can always use emojis and things because they convey meaning that and the feelings through kind of pictures of faces and without emojis your text is likely to maybe be misinterpreted so for example you make sure like you make like a humorous like little comment and it doesn't come across as sarcastic because you haven't put a facial expression next to it so it's an interesting lesson to take away in the world of communication online communication specifically and it's the power of our facial expressions especially if you were going to say the same thing on an email that you are doing in person we need to make sure we actually have a difference we have the tone we have the communication we have that eye contact we have the hand gestures the movement the openness we're not sat in a corner like it's openness that is the key here that i have learned through experience through watching other people while i was planning this episode i really it took me a couple days to actually just like I was focusing on it a lot because then I looked around and I, when I was out and about and I was sat down, maybe having a coffee and I would see people and the way that they interacted and the way that they, you know, their movements were. And you can really think about the good and bad levels of body language. And as body language is 50%, 55%, sorry, of our communication, we have to start understanding how we can have good body language communication so it's that idea of you know when parents would say to you sit up because it's not respectful if you're like slouching down it's about respecting yourself it's about having that self-respect self-confidence in yourself being open sitting up when you're talking to someone not being on your phone doing those little things that help you become more confident and have good body language you're perceived as a more you know confident human being which is what we all want we don't want to be that kind of person in the corner who's you know sat down and cross-armed we don't want that so try it out whenever you're talking to someone I want you to try and adjust your body language focus on your body language 55% of our communication is our body language if you are upset and angry it's in your body language. If you are happy for someone, it's your body language. All of those things, it's so important. And it's really interesting to understand where it comes from because we don't know, we don't really know this normally. We don't 
get taught this in school (laughs) you don't know it and it's something that's so interesting to think about so that is what I have for you for today's episode if you enjoyed definitely interact with the podcast if you can I love you all so much and I hope that you interact and follow and do whatever you can because you're all amazing so thank you so much for listening and I'll see you again in another episode soon